Well, delighted once again to have uh, back with us our friend uh, Joel Rosenberg, New York Times bestselling author of 12 novels and five nonfiction books. And uh, his uh, newest will be out in just a few weeks. It's titled Without Warning. We'll talk a little bit more about that coming up here a little bit later in our interview. First of all, uh, Joel, you're in uh, Israel. You, what, you just got there from the U.S., huh? I did. Just spent the last 10 days in Washington and uh, glad to be home in Israel again with my family. But it's great to be talking to you and, and the folks in Chicago. Yeah. Now, do you have dual citizenship? Is that the way that works? We do. It means we get, I get to vote twice. It's like living in Chicago. Yeah. Well, that's a, that's a terrific <laughs> life then. All right. Well, let's talk yeah. a little no, bit. No, we are. We're dual citizens. <laughs> I'm, I'm Jewish uh, and evangelical also. Uh, but we uh, we did the process that Jews do called making Aliyah. You can you can come back to the land of Israel and, and settle here, and that's what we believe God wanted us to do. We've been here almost three years now. Mm. Well, during the time that you spent in this country, uh, you attended the uh, National Prayer Breakfast. Uh, I've been to several of them, and, and I'd be kind of curious as to your personal take, first of all, on the comments from President Trump. Sure. Well, they, they kicked up a lot of dust um, uh, with with some of his remarks, and uh, you know, first of all, it was it was really fascinating to be at the National Prayer Breakfast this year. I've been twice, but it was years ago. In fact, I met uh, then Senator uh, Barack Obama uh, when he came over to our table. Uh, there happened to be a member of Congress from Chicago sitting at our table at that time, so that was kind of interesting. But this was fascinating to have the President of the United States there, President Trump and the Vice President, and uh, the King of Jordan, and his wife, the Queen, uh, the Knesset Speaker, the head of the Israeli Parliament was there, and and 4,000 other people. What was interesting was the President's remarks I thought were quite good. Um, But he did say a few things that, you know, are classic Trump. I mean, he just, it's like he cannot help himself. Um, You know, he criticized uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's, uh, uh, you know, his, uh, his ratings on uh, The Apprentice, and it just, it wasn't necessary, but um, it's it's him, you know, and so that was disappointing. I'll concede that, but mostly his talk was quite good. He talked about the importance of religious freedom, of protecting the American people's right to uh, worship, Freely, but also if, if somebody didn't, doesn't have faith, that they that they would be protected too. He talked about welcoming in immigrants, but we've got to have a process to make sure that everyone comes in. You know, isn't going to cause us harm. Uh, that seems fair. Um, he talked about peace-loving Muslims who are being slaughtered by ISIS and other radicals in the Middle East. We need to defend our own interests and defeat ISIS, and also help people of other faiths that are. You know, and Christians who are facing genocide as well, he said. So I thought that overall his talk was good substantively, and his tone was measured, but there were a few moments that were classic Trump. Yep, no doubt about it. All right. Well, you were a never-Trumper, though, before the election, were you not? I was. Uh, I was uh, quite concerned about his lack of experience, about his past liberalism, about um, and about his inability to, you know, you know, keep quiet on certain things, uh, and, you know, he's, he can really zing people. Um, so, yeah, but when, when I got down to the final week, um, I finally concluded that I couldn't in good conscience um, either, certainly I couldn't vote for Mrs. Clinton, but I couldn't let her win. If there was one way I could vote to stop her, um, I felt that was better. 
I happen to know, my wife and I know Mike and Karen Pence well. We're personal friends. And so we thought, well, you know, Trump is not our first choice, but he's the only choice to stop her. The Pences are wonderful, strong believers, solid, experienced. So we'll go that way. And I wrote a column for my blog just to explain to my readers who, you know, had heard me say all year that I couldn't do it. Yeah. And uh, that went viral. It was read by more than 1.25 million people in less than a week. Mm-hmm. Well, I understand your sentiments, and uh, my wife and I had the same uh, discussion, by the way. All right, let's talk about to what's probably uh, going to show up, if it hasn't already today, in the uh, Jerusalem Post, that the United Nations Mideast envoy today uh, said that a new Israeli law legalizing dozens of unlawful West Bank settler outposts crossed a very thick red line. Meanwhile, uh, Israeli rights groups said they would fight to overturn the measure. Any thoughts? Well, I'm still trying to process that. Um, There is a lot of pressure uh, from the right-wing government on Prime Minister Netanyahu to to expand um, Jewish um, communities um, uh, east of uh, of what's called the Green Line. The Green Line is the the line that was uh, sort of the division between Jordan and Israel pre-1967. Uh, it's, remember, it's not occupied territory. Legally, it's disputed territory, which means, um, remember, the U.N. in 1947 said, let's divide the land. We'll give some to the Arabs, some to the Jews. Mm-hmm. They both can have a state. Mm-hmm. The Jews said yes, and the Arabs said no and invaded the, the nascent Jewish state and tried to wipe us out. Five countries tried to destroy our country. So um, and it's been disputed ever since. Jordan did control it for a while. But anyway, the point is, it's disputed. And so my view is that Jews are certainly allowed to build homes if they want. If the Palestinians want them to stop, they need to sign a peace treaty. Uh, Unfortunately, the Palestinian leadership um, continues to refuse to sit down and negotiate a peace treaty. And this is almost 70 years now. I mean, really, at some point, the Palestinian leadership has got to make a decision. If you want a state and you don't want any more Jewish homes built in what you call your land, then make a deal. In the meantime, um, the dispute continues, and Jews will continue to build homes. And it's, I know the world doesn't like it, but remember, this is the territory known biblically as Judea. That's where we get our names from. We're Jewish because we're from the tribe of Judea, and that's the land of Judea. So this is the biblical heartland. This is where Jesus walked. This is where the prophets walked. This is where David lived. It's not like we're interlopers, but it is disputed, and um, it, should neg- it should get negotiated. But, again, it's very tragic, I think, for the Palestinian people that their leadership refuses to just make a deal already. Hmm. All right. Well, sort of related to all that is whether or not the uh, the American embassy should be relocated to Jerusalem and uh, from, uh, what, Tel Aviv. And so uh, tell me about the complications here, and how would most Jewish people in Israel feel about this? Right. Well, I, absolutely, the, the embassy should be in Jerusalem. Uh, that is has been our capital from the time of David, right? And we're talking about, and this is biblical, uh, God chose that to be the capital, and it's been the capital of the modern Jewish state since May 14th, 1948. I mean, that, that's it. So 
the, the U.S. Embassy and all embassies should move to Jerusalem, but I would say, let me note, Mark, that I think the embassy should be in West Jerusalem, uh, meaning there is a consulate there, an American consulate, right around the corner from the King David Hotel. Um, we should just take the nameplate off of that consulate hmm. and put a nameplate on that says embassy, take the other con- uh, embassy in Tel-, Tel Aviv and call that the consulate. Hmm. For right now, that would be a simple switch. It would rectify a historic wrong in which the United States has refused to recognize Israel's own capital, which it, it should recognize. Um, but what it doesn't do, Mark, it, by doing it this way, I think that's the smarter, wiser way. It doesn't put the embassy in a section of East Jerusalem, which is still disputed. Now, Israelis believe that all of Jerusalem is ours, and I, I, personally I do actually believe that, but that is what's under international dispute. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. So don't you know, preclude the possibility that Israel couldn't strike a deal with the Palestinians by putting the embassy over in territory that they think is theirs. But they should, you know, I, I'm, I am hopeful that the Trump administration will, in fact, move forward and put the American embassy in West Jerusalem. And, and it's literally as easy as changing the sign on the door. Yeah, I like that. All right, Joel, thanks. We're going to take a quick time out. And friends, we're going to continue our discussion here with New York Times bestselling author Joel Rosenberg and uh, his uh, new book, Without Warning. Oh, just terrific. And uh, that's going to be out in just a few weeks. I can say that because my wife devoured it in, uh, I don't know, four nights, something like that. But in any case, we'll uh, continue with our guest coming up in just a moment. Welcome, Mark Elmstrand here. Good afternoon. The program is called Let's Talk, and with me is our friend Joel Rosenberg, best-selling author with the, well, New York Times rated that, but you could look anywhere and see all the books that this fellow has sold. It's been remarkable. He's got a new one out we'll talk about in just a few minutes called Without Warning, part of his J.B. Collins series of novels. And uh, But first, let me come back to the question that probably is making the world very nervous, both here and in Israel, and that's the mindset of Iran doing missile tests, despite the fact that we had an arrangement that we all agreed on with the United States and Iran that this would not be taking place. And now the language from Iran is ramping up as well about their enemies. Uh, what, what are they saying in Israel about this? Well, this is a huge issue, both not just for Israel. Remember, Israel's the little Satan, the way the Iranian leadership sees it. The United States is the great Satan. Right. So while Israel is certainly at the target, one of the targets for the Iran's apocalyptic Islamic leadership, you know, they want to bring about the end of the world as we know it, and bring their Messiah and bring the, you know, the, the Islamic kingdom or caliphate. But Israel's just the first big target. They ultimately want to wipe out the United States. And this is why the missiles are so uh, uh, concerning. Uh, we've got to stop Iran from building longer and longer-range missiles because we know what they're going to do with it. They're going to produce the uh, enriched uranium eventually uh, and turn it into nuclear weapons and put it on these missiles. The only reason to have an intercontinental ballistic missile is to have a nuclear warhead on top of it. It actually doesn't work. Uh, the physics don't work to detonate a, 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 a warhead filled with TNT or conventional explosives if you fire it through the atmosphere. You, the only way a missile will achieve its effect when you fire it into, the, into space 
and have it land on another country is to have a nuclear detonation. So that's the only reason for these missiles. Now, here's the problem, Mark. That the disastrous nuclear deal that the Obama administration approved and negotiated and approved, actually part of the reason that it was disastrous is because it didn't deal with missiles. We were all calling for it. You know, you can't make a deal on nuclear uh, enrichment on the one hand and then not deal with missiles that could reach the United States. It was insane. But the Obama administration said, well, that's a, that's a separate issue. And so um, now there are uh, U.N. resolutions that say that the Iranians can't do this, but it's not in the deal. It's mm. not in that big nuclear deal that became you know, so discussed and mm-hmm. um, so controversial last year. And um, the good news is that the Trump-Pence administration is, talking, is moving forward on putting sanctions on Iran and is trying to build international support to put pressure on Iran to stop this. I think a confrontation is coming and, um, between the United States and Iran, not just between Israel and Iran. But the good news is we now have an administration in Washington that sees how dangerous Iran is and isn't being fooled by the, the moderate language that seems to come out of Tehran that President Obama and his team did seem to get um, fooled by. Mm. All right. Well, as I understand it, uh, it takes about seven minutes from a uh, from Iran to a missile from Iran to land in Israel. Is is that correct? Yeah, I, I hear six, but seven, whatever. I mean, the point is, in seven minutes, if it, it, look, let's put it this way. Yeah. Mark, if, if Iran is able to build nuclear weapons, either clandestinely during the, during the term of this, this nuclear deal, or if they wait 10 years until it's illegal for them to do it, where it is legal, whichever way, if they also have these high-speed missiles, they could accomplish in six or seven minutes what it took Adolf Hitler almost six years to do, yeah. and that is to kill six million Jews. Yeah. Wow. There are six million Jews in Israel now, just a little bit more than that. And Iran could wipe us all out with a couple of missiles in a few years. Like, that's, that's how dangerous this is. Now, I don't believe God will allow that to happen, but the fact that they want it to happen, um, Iran wants it to happen, and says all the time, we're going to wipe Israel off the map. This is very, very dangerous. It's dangerous for us. It's dangerous for our neighbors, our friends, like Jordan, like Egypt, and others. And it's very dangerous for the United States and Europe. And it has to be dealt with sooner rather than later. All right. Well, let's talk a little bit now about your uh, latest, uh, uh, well, soon-to-be arrival here without warning in in your J.B. Collins uh, series of uh, political uh, thrillers here. Uh, One question that comes up, it would seem like... Uh, the way that uh, this, uh, the new novel uh, ends is kind of leaning towards probably maybe someone like Obama in the presidency. Uh, that's not where we are. Uh, how are you going to process this in future novels? Well, uh, so, so this novel is it, it's the third and final in a trilogy. Ah. Um, and you're right, it comes out March 14th. Um, you can pre-order uh, this, this book, without warning today, Amazon or Barnes & Noble or any Christian bookstore. But the, the, the key is that, that this was already in motion. This is a fictional president. It's not supposed to be Obama. It's right. not supposed to be Trump. It's fictional. But, yeah. but you're right. This is a situation in which the Islamic State 
has captured chemical weapons, and, and they are about to accomplish what they have said they were going to do, which is strike the United States inside our homeland. And this is a worst-case scenario, right? We pray to God this book never comes true. But this is about ISIS trying to penetrate our, our, our defenses and get inside America and hit multiple cities, uh, not just with regular conventional terror attacks, but with chemical weapons. This would just be horrific. Uh, but this is what this novel, without warning, is about. Um, and uh, maybe we, we pick up the conversation when the book actually releases on March 14th uh, to go in a little bit more detail. But it was fun to write, but it also is the last in this series. All right. Well, because uh, I, I know we've uh, we've gotten an advanced reader copy so that uh, my wife uh, already has had a chance to read this. And she's going, he can't end it this way, but we'll talk later about, <laughs> uh, about why you can't end it that way. But we'll not uh, talk any more about it uh, for right now. Uh, v- very quickly, uh, before we uh, we say farewell here this afternoon, uh, y- you have commented a little bit in one of your uh, more recent blogs, too, about the, the, the trends in Israel and, and, and maybe just the way the political dynamic is shaping up there. Uh, how is uh, Prime Minister Netanyahu's uh, favorability rating, if you will, at this point? Well, he's, uh, I guess you'd use the term in America, underwater. Right? There's a lot of criticism of him right now. There's, a, there's an investigation, uh, a, a national investigation uh, by the Attorney General into allegations that he has, has some wrongdoing. Uh, that happens often in, in Israeli politics. Sometimes it, it, it's true, and sometimes it's just allegations. It's hard to know that right now. Um, Israelis do believe that Netanyahu is the only leader at this moment that is sort of best suited to keep us safe. And in a world of Iran and ISIS and you know genocide happening in Syria right over our border, uh, that's why Netanyahu is the longest-serving prime minister in the history of Israel, longer than David Ben-Gurion, who was our founding prime minister back in 1948. But, but, he's, but Netanyahu is increasingly unpopular. There's a lot of divisions. And, um, you know, we, politics is here is, is pretty crazy. It's hardball here. And uh, you never know when a government, you know, it's a parliamentary system, so a government can fall, you know, overnight. We'll see. Uh, the prime minister is heading to Washington uh, February 15th to meet with uh, President Trump and Vice President Pence. Um, and, uh, you know, I pray for the Prime Minister um, for wisdom, for wisdom to know how to navigate the country. But if he's replaced at some point, then we pray for the next Prime Minister. Just as we're praying for Trump and Pence, people, I happen to, you know, know Pence personally and like him. I'm, I'm cautious about Trump, but he is the President. I want him to succeed and do well in leading the country. And so, like Paul tells Timothy, we pray for our leaders and all those in authority. Yeah. Well, it's uh, going to be an interesting relationship in the days ahead. I'm not, uh, again, uh, sure about the politics in uh, Israel, but uh, I know that uh, there's a high favorability rating for a lot of people who hope to see a, a very positive relationship between the United States and Israel uh, reestablished. So uh, may that to be the case in the days ahead. Well, uh, thanks for giving us some time. I know it's nighttime there. You just got off a flight not too long ago uh, from the U.S., and so you're probably uh, ready for bed. But thanks uh, a bunch for uh, giving us some insights on these important issues. 
Oh, Mark, it's great to be with you. It's an honor to talk about these issues that are really substantive and important, and to do it from Israel and uh, for all your uh, your listeners there in Chicago. It's uh, Great honor to be with you. To okay. be with you today. Uh, uh, thanks, Mark. Yeah, and without warning, you said can be pre-ordered right now on Amazon. Is that right? It is Amazon, Barnes and Noble, any of the Christian bookstores, or any of your favorite bookstores. You can pre-order it now uh, for quite low prices, and then it officially releases uh, March 14th. And I'll be back in the states uh, for a month-long book tour when it does release. Well, another great thriller. Thanks, uh, Joel, and may God continue to bless you. Great to be with you. Thanks, Mark. Yep. Joel Rosenberg. And friends, don't forget his website, Joel Rosenberg, R-O-S-E-N-B-E-R-G dot com. You can actually sign up for his newsletter and stay on top of world events right there as well.